Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. So we're talking about Joseph, and I figure no better way to lead us in on this topic than talking about petty revenge. Yeah, you're probably wondering, where is this going? So, so we have revenge, right? Revenge where you get back at somebody who maybe has wronged you, and usually that kind of equals what they've done to you. Well, petty revenge, you know, pettiness being trivial or small, maybe childish is a better way to explain it. Just, it's not really maybe getting back at them in an equal way, but just kind of making their life a little bit annoying. So I went ahead and I hopped on the World Wide Web and I checked out the Petty Revenge message board on Reddit. Reddit.com, are you all familiar with Reddit? Similar to like a Facebook, maybe not as real time, but people can submit in stories and there are different communities. Well, this community has 3.1 million users and I'm sure many other people who are part of it in submitting their stories of revenge. So I went through, I looked at some, some different stories, and I picked out a couple uh, that were church appropriate uh, to be able to share uh, in petty revenge. And we're gonna share two of them. The first one just has to do with packages that were being stolen uh, by someone who lived in this house. Now, it's Christmas time. We have kind of that, a little bit of that problem. You have porch pirates, you know, people who come along and they steal your packages maybe. And, Well, this person had packages being stolen by their landlord, of all people. So their landlord was the one stealing their package. They had video evidence of this. So they thought, you know what? I'll go ahead and I'll uh, put this to an end. So she went ahead and got some used kitty litter. She wrapped it up. She mailed it to herself. She put different colored duct tape so you could see if it had been tampered with. And sure enough, she has video evidence of her landlord grabbing the package And she wrote this by saying, I know she won't be able to resist. And when she does, boom, federal mail charges, the most creative and legal way I could think to deal with the problem. Petty, right? And this next one uh, talks about a gentleman who lived in a different part of the world where they have this white stuff that falls from the sky every now and then. Yeah, so whenever it would snow, they lived in an apartment complex, no assigned parking, but whenever you would shovel a spot, it was kind of an unwritten rule. It was an understanding that when you shoveled this spot, it was yours. Well, he shoveled a spot for his wife. She ran to go get groceries and she was gone just a little while and a neighbor took the parking spot. So instead of going and maybe like a grown-up, knocking on the door and saying, hey, I shoveled this spot, would you mind moving? He went ahead and decided to be a little bit petty and he got about five gallons of water And he went out to the neighbor's car and he just poured it over the windshield, nice and slow. He didn't damage anything, but he got his revenge and he signed off by saying, don't take my, fill in the blank, parking spot. So yeah, so he got his petty revenge in this situation. And the reason I talk about petty revenge is because we have a story of Joseph where he was probably hurt. 
He was probably upset, probably confused. We heard from the reading earlier that he was engaged to wed Mary, but she becomes pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't know this. It wasn't him. And so he's probably wondering what in the world is going on. But we hear about Joseph's character that comes out in a powerful way and can help us maybe to shape our own character. And before getting too much into this, uh, we spoke about Mary last week, who I think deserves so much credit for being the earthly mother of Jesus. But I think it's also helpful to recognize how important Joseph, Joseph's role plays in being the earthly father of Jesus. So much of what we do in our life is impacted by the people we surround ourselves maybe no more so than who we wed, who we pledge ourselves to be with. I know for me in the ordination process, one of the things you have to do for the United Methodist Church is you have to have your spouse sign off on their agreement to go through. I see, you know, I see our pastors up here nodding. You have to have them sign off on their agreement and their approval of you entering into ministry and every year as you go through and you receive recertification or you advance to the next step, you have to have that status updated. Do they still agree with your approval of being in the ministry? So I think it would behoove us if we overlook Joseph's importance in this. And the first point, and even says this in the scripture, is looking at Joseph being a righteous man. So let's go ahead and dive in. This is Matthew verses 18 and 19 starts out by saying this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. So we hear that Joseph wanted to help her out in the sense of not publicly disgracing her, but there's a little bit more to it that we may not know about. There's three words that we're going to learn about real quick. The first one is mohar, and this could be kind of claimed as the bride price. Back then, it was customary for the groom's family, the groom's father more specifically, to pay a sum of money to the bride's father in order to have her be wed to his son. So this was a transfer of money from one family to the other. The next was the mouton, and this was a sum of money given directly from the groom to the bride. We could maybe think of this as maybe an engagement ring of some type, and this was maybe a little bit of financial stability if something were to have happened to the marriage, maybe if Joseph was unfaithful or divorced her early on, or maybe even died early on. This was a little bit of financial support that the bride could have to get herself by for a little bit. And the last but not least is the ketubah, which is a bit of a marriage license or maybe like a financial, or sorry, a prenuptial agreement. Again, providing some financial stability if something were to have happened and the groom would have divorced the bride or maybe passed away early on. So they had already transferred the mohar, the mutan, the ketubah had been signed. And Mary, being pregnant by someone else besides Joseph, 
he had the law backing him up to divorce her publicly. So not only would she have received this public disgrace, she would have lost the Mohar, the Mutan, the Ketubah, and even, now as much as this wasn't a common practice at this time, there was even potential that she could have been stoned to death. She could have had public execution. But we see that Joseph was a righteous man, and he wants to not only save face for Mary, but in a way, by doing so, takes the heat himself. And it's a good thing he decided that because he then gets a visit, special visit from an angel, and we know this all happens before the angel comes, that confirms his decision. Verse 20 continues by saying, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the children within her, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Even still, after having this visit from the angel, Joseph could have said, I'm not, I'm not the guy for this. But even getting the visit from the angel and all of this that he had gone through, he decides, you know what, I'm going to do it. And he sticks by Mary, and he pledges to wed her, and he names him Jesus, and then he pledges to become Jesus' earthly father. And we don't hear much about Joseph aside from these couple of verses. In fact, Joseph has no speaking words, you know. I know my wife heard about this, and she said, that, that's a good husband right there, you know. But we can infer a little bit by looking at the stories that Jesus tells. Maybe a specific story that really helps us out shows how good of a dad that Joseph was. Not only a good husband, but a good dad too. And we can look to the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, Jesus tells of a son who basically approaches his father and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. I want what is owed to me when you die, but I want it right, right now. In order, in other words, saying, I wish you were dead. And so the father obliges and he says, okay, here's half of everything I own. Take it. And the son does and he runs off and he spends it frivolously and ends up running out of money pretty quick down and out on his luck, deciding what he should do. And then he remembers, he says to himself, even the workers of my father are treated better than this. And he says, I'm going to go home. And what does that dad do? He loves him anyway. So it says this in Luke 15, 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Makes me think of those times when I was coming home and my mom was waiting for me or my dad was waiting for me on the porch like this. You knew you were in for it. But this dad saw him far off and he ran to him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, 
bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. We can see through this story that Jesus obviously had some type of reference to see what a good father was like. In some way, shape, or form, although not perfect, Joseph had to exemplify these traits of mercy and kindness and compassion and is able to paint that picture for us for what our Heavenly Father looks like. But stepping aside from Joseph, you know, I have the pleasure of having wonderful parents and it's easy for me to think of how our Heavenly Father is like my own parents, although not perfect, did a wonderful job in raising me. But I know that's not the case for all of us. Maybe we don't have an earthly father like Joseph. We have a parent maybe who just wasn't available, maybe just not available, period. Maybe emotionally not available for whatever reason, just didn't step up to their parent duties. And we can take that and we can say, you know, if that's what parents like, that's probably what God like is God is like as well. Or we can look to the words of Scripture, and again, these pictures that are painted for us of how our Heavenly Father loves us so, so much and wants us to be a part of His family. I think of the words in Ephesians that Paul tells us, and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well of all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. God wants nothing more than to shower us with his love and show us what a perfect parent is like, despite maybe what our earthly parents are. And again, I know I speak in having wonderful parents, and it's easy for this to take place to see a wonderful, loving God but if you're not in another place, I pray that you can see God as a perfect parent, despite maybe the lack of parenting that your earthly parents never showed. But the last point I want to come back to in Joseph being righteous is looking at this word that is used in Matthew 1.19. It says, the word that was used is dekaios. Can you say that? Dekaios, which means just or by the letter of the law. And as I mentioned, Joseph had the law backing him. When he saw that Mary was pregnant, not by him, he had the law to back him up. But what I find so interesting is that it's not so much the law that he follows to a T, but maybe it was the love, the letter of love that led him in this. Susan R. Andrews, uh, she's a pastor and a theologian. She says this about Joseph's righteousness. It says, however, Joseph's righteousness, however, is based on love and not law. By doing so, Joseph becomes faithful not to the conventions of the world, but to the heart of the Holy One. As a parent myself, even sometimes in doing ministry, you find these rules. People tell you different things, especially online. They say, whatever you do as a parent, do this. 
Whatever you do as a parent, don't do this. Above all else, make, you sh- make sure you do blank. So many rules, so many regulations that are put upon you. And I feel like sometimes it just takes the love out of it. Yeah, they keep us safe. Yeah, you need to have some of those in place for everyone's protection. But I find it interesting that Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, his righteousness was rooted in love. This is the same father to Jesus who, on the day, on the Sabbath, when he's not supposed to heal, healed people. The same Jesus who wasn't supposed to talk to women, let alone women of other culture, not only talked to them, but empowered them. The same Jesus who touched the untouchable, who interacted with those seem less than in society, and the same Jesus that took his love all the way to a cross. It's easy to have rules in place. Sometimes they take the thinking out of it. But just like Joseph, in this Advent season, in all of our lives, in Jesus, the one who took his love all the way to the cross, maybe we can lead by love as well. And instead of leading by the law, we can lead with our hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for Joseph. Through difficult and uncertain times, his character of righteousness was what showed through. Despite the difficulties, maybe even the public disgrace of himself, put his ego aside put the law aside, put the rules aside, put Mary first, put relationships, put people first, and led with love. God, in our own lives, wherever we may be facing similar situations, may we look to Joseph, may we look to Jesus in our path to become righteous, to lead with love. Amen.